Good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to be able to share with you today. Um, as Dom said, my name is Robin. Most of you in the church will probably be familiar with me. Um, but um, my wife and I, we live in uh, Hatfield, where KCC is based. And uh, we've been here for quite a number of years, been part of the church all that time. Um, <clears throat> as Dom said, today is the very last in our series. So uh, our series, our title has been Keeping in Christ in Times of COVID. And it's really been designed to help us to navigate through some of the different trials uh, and challenges that we're, we're all facing during this pandemic um, by pointing us back to that relationship that we have as Christians uh, with God through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Um, as Dom said, today's focus is the very last verse, which is verse six um, of Psalm 23. And it really is David's conclusion to everything that he's said up to that point through uh, verses one to five. So why don't we just kick straight off by reading the psalm together again, just to refresh it to us. <clears throat> um, so Psalm 23, starting from verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And it's just, it's just such a powerful psalm and testimony to God's father heart and his um, shepherding of us. Well, this series is, as I say, about triumphing, tri triumphing in uh, difficulties and adversity, uh, despite what we're all facing. I'm, I'm well aware that um, each of us will be facing different kinds of trials and difficulties. For some, it, it might be a little bit easier. For some, it might be really hard. Uh, for some, it could just be that middle road. Um, but we're all in different situations in different places. And um, so this series is designed to help us stay anchored in who Jesus is. And our response as Christians to going through difficulties is actually absolutely vital because it's the determining factor as to whether we are able to walk in victory through these things or whether they walk in victory over us and they defeat us. Uh, Romans 5 verse 17 uh, <clears throat> talks about an idea reigning in life, reigning in life. It's this picture of what a life lived in Christ looks like. So we have peace in the midst of storms. We trust God in everything. Um, we're, it means that we're successful in carrying out our mission as believers and as a church uh, of, of making disciples and bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. Um, it describes seeing breakthrough in situations that we are praying into, the release of the love and the life of Christ. It's about making godly decisions with the wisdom that he gives to us and seeing the fruit of those decisions. Um, and it is God's desire that you and I would do well in life as a result of the power, the grace that he gives us from an everyday connection with him. 
So the, the degree to which we're able to reign in life is the degree to which our thinking is shaped by biblical truth. So today we're going to take a little bit of a look, a deeper look at verse six um, to capture afresh a sense of the goodness of God's heart. Um, I've said before, scripture is the welcome map to encounter with God. So let us allow our hearts to be drawn deeper into encounters with him, the good shepherd, today as we read through this. So <clears throat> Psalm 23, very much about God being, being a good shepherd to us. And verse six again says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I love looking up the um, original language words in various verses that I'm, I'm reading through or studying. I find that it helps me to get a more full picture of what this verse is talking about. If I understand how a particular word was used in the original language um, in, in different contexts. So we're going to be doing a little bit of that today with the words in this, this verse. Um, so let's start that off. <clears throat> the word goodness there. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. But it literally means like bounty or, or God's best. It's, it's God's best for you and for me. He has a desired way for us to live life and to do life and to think about life such that you and I would prosper. We would do well. So in, in the kingdom of God, what does it look like to prosper? Well, what's the opposite of that? Outside the kingdom of God in, in the world, um, prospering looks like um, having a lot of money, having a lot of influence, um, <clears throat> lots of people looking up to you, maybe. Um, in the kingdom of God, I think it's about bearing fruit for his glory. I think that's what it means to have a, a, a prosperous life. Um, it's about demonstrating the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's each of those uh, forming a picture which is the fruit of the holy spirit being present in your life um <clears throat> it's about as i said before making godly wise decisions having the ability to see wisdom is is seeing into a matter almost it's being able to see an uh, exploded view of something you're looking into to be able to understand what's going on within that, that context and making wise decisions about how to engage with that um and it's about being able to carry out our, our mission as i've said um serving as a nation of ambassadors for christ so that's the picture of god's goodness it is literally his best for us so what about mercy goodness and mercy shall follow me well literally the word mercy there actually means god's loving kindness god's loving kindness psalm 145 verse 17 says that the lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works <clears throat> It's a defining characteristic of God that he is kind and he's not just kind. He is steadfastly kind, resolutely kind, like committed to being kind. Micah 7 verse 18 says he delights in steadfast love. He delights in, in being kind. And it's easy for us to color our perception of God with our, our preconceptions of maybe that comes from um experiences with our own our own earthly fathers <clears throat> or sometimes the lack of experience because they're not present um, sometimes it can be uh, just junk that we pick up through life that colors and taints how we view God um, <clears throat> but but at his heart these verses communicate to us that he is just really really kind 
really, really kind. And he enjoys it. He enjoys being kind to us. So God's goodness is his best for me, his best for us. And his mercy is his steadfast, unmoving, loving kindness. And David goes on to say that these two things shall follow me. Now, that word follow, it's quite exciting. It does, like follow implies this kind of sort of oh, I'm just kind of following along behind you. But that's not the sense behind this word. This word was used for pursuit, for chasing. It's even used for persecuting. Like there's a, a, a power and a strength to this word. It's the same word used of the uh, Egyptian army that was chasing Moses and the Israelites after they left Egypt on their way to the Red Sea. It's that sense of pursuit. So it, again, it paints this picture of God's love for us, having this relentless energy to it. It being so, so committed to catching us that it, it blasts through any obstacles. It doesn't let anything get in its way of, of getting to us. It's energetic. It's enthusiastic in its pursuit of us. I was reminded of the words from um, the song um, uh, Reckless Love by Corey Asprey. Uh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. That's the picture here of God's relentless loving kindness and goodness chasing us down. So verse six talks to us about how David has come to realize that God is constantly pursuing him to bless him and be kind to him. And he says that he knows that this will be true all the days of my life, which literally means every single day, God's love is like that and he doesn't give up. He's determined to let nothing stand in his way so that we would flourish and be blessed. And then David finishes with another line, which is, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now the word dwell there is literally to sit, to settle, to remain or to stay. Uh, and it says forever, which again, literally means days without ending. So it, it's this picture of today and tomorrow and the day after and so on, as far as I can see, and even beyond that, I will be able to, to dwell, to sit, to remain in the house of the Lord uh, in fellowship with him. So putting it all together, we could read Psalm 23, verse six, like this. Surely each day you will not stop pursuing me to lavish your kindness on me, working to bring me in line with your best for me. And I will be able to stay in the place where you live every day without end. Is that the, the perception that you carry of God when you think of him as a, as a loving father and a good shepherd? Let me read that again. I want to read it actually over you. I want to declare it over you and say that this is how the Lord sees you. This is what he would communicate to you today. Surely each day I will not stop pursuing you. To lavish my kindness on you. Working to bring you in line with my best for you. And you will be able to stay in the place where I live every day without end. So David's conclusion in verse six summarizes this wonderful picture that he paints throughout the psalm of being able to live forever with the good shepherd, one who is relentless in his pursuit of us and kind in his leading of us. 
who wants to fill us, to refresh us, protect us and provide for us, pouring out his grace on us to see us reign in life through his power. Now, this psalm is a wonderful oasis to be able to return to when we come into times that feel a bit like a barren wasteland, like a desert, like the pandemic can often feel for us. And actually, it's a very personal psalm for me. God's used it to encourage me in a particular hard time of my life. Um, some of you who know me will know that I have struggled with anxiety in the past. Um, it started when I was maybe 13 or 14 and continued through into my early 20s, mid 20s. Um, it began at a very low level and slowly sort of built as these things do, got a bit more intense. Um, without getting graphic, it would often lead to me being physically ill, physically sick. And it really felt like the valley of the shadow of death as I was going through it. And I'd try various coping strategies, um, mental kind of things to think of. Well, you know, your body really doesn't want to end up being that. So what, if you just don't worry about it, it won't happen. Well, that didn't help because I started getting worried about the fact that I might worry. And therefore, I started worrying about the fact that I was worrying that I might worry and it all just snowballed and <laughs> wasn't good. And I remember it, it would revolve a lot around um, travel and going to places and particularly on, on journeys when you're going abroad, you're not often operating on a lot of sleep. And I remember one time we were going abroad, we were on the train to the airport, hadn't had a lot of sleep. And I was, I was feeling worried and anxious. A little bit of the, um, the rumbling uh, sort of in the stomach of feeling a bit sick was starting to happen as well. And I was sitting there trying to close my eyes, get a bit of sleep um, and just talking to God as well with my eyes closed and talking to him about it. And... I felt like he began to, to speak to me about it, about how he wanted to use this as an opportunity to cement my trust in him. He said to me that he had, like, previously he had asked me to spend some time reading through Psalm 23 and kind of getting into it. And in that moment, he recalled some of it to mind and talked about how he had this table of provision prepared for me. Um, it was a in the presence of my enemies. It was a table of peace that he prepared for me uh, in the presence of my enemies. And my enemy in that um, situation was anxiety and fear. So he was preparing a place for me to sit and enjoy his peace where actually the anxiety wasn't able to touch that peace. It was powerless to, to do anything but sit and watch. Um, and he said to me, do you think that even if the worst thing you're afraid of were to happen, I wouldn't be there with you, protecting you and enabling you to get through it, to walk through it. That remind, reminded me of verse four, um, I shall fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. The word rod there like literally means like, like a beating stick, like a rod for smiting. It was, it was actually one of the translations for that phrase that I found. Um, and the, the word for staff is like, like think of Gandalf's staff. You know, a big, thick thing that you can lean on that is your strength and support. So I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your stick for smiting, for beating off my enemies and your staff, your big, thick, strong staff that supports me. They're what comfort me. And he really helped me to connect with those words, um, connect them to what I was going through and connect them with with his heart for me. Um, and it kind of went from like being head knowledge to heart knowledge we kind of throw that phrase around quite a lot in sort of church, don't we? That it's the idea of knowing it as a fact um, 
versus knowing it through experience. And it kind of transitioned in that, that moment. Um, and I realized that even if the worst that I was fearing happened, the valley of the shadow of death, he'd actually be there to protect me, which was his rod and give me strength to make it through, which was his staff. So as I got off the train at the other end um, <clears throat> and continued my journey, I, I, I th he'd said to me, you know, would you like me to kind of like give you some kind of a sign or something? That's what I felt he said to me. And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be wonderful. <coughs> so as I get off the train, I'm, I'm kind of looking around for signs and stuff. And, and um, I wasn't going to share this just because of time, but, but I will um, just to, to paint the picture. I, I was looking around, um, looking for a sign. I was looking for something really obvious that was like oh there it is there's a man in sandals and a white robe with white hair that's got to be jesus that's my sign and i got into this um got off the train nothing didn't see anything got into a lift didn't see anything and was just kind of like all right well maybe when we get off the lift and i remember just glancing down and, and there was this um mother with a, a push chair and there was a little baby in the push chair and um the baby was just sort of looking all around like babies do and then it looked at me and this sort of little smile came across its face and I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. What a sweet little baby. Yeah. Anyway, time to get off the lift. I left the lift. And I was just like walking along. God, I, I don't feel like I've seen you. Like, where are you? And he said, really? You were just looking right at me. And I was like, wait, what? And, and in, that, in that moment, <coughs> I felt like what he was saying was like, even in, in that, that little baby, that, that he was present in that. It was his little smile at me it may sound silly but to me in that moment it spoke to me and then there were other things as I continued walking just again and again and again God affirming that he was there and speaking to me through different things and that moment as you can tell has really stuck with me and stayed with me and that lesson has, has stuck with me and uh, and stayed with me <clears throat> and through it I realized that what I had to do was to let go of trying to control things with these coping mechanisms um, this, that, that was what I learned on my journey and my, my place of that. I think that there can be a place for, um, <clears throat> learning ways to manage mental health issues. So I'm not advocating against taking doctor's advice, etc. Um, but for me, what I learned was that it was wrapped up in me trying to control my circumstances, um, when really I couldn't. And it was choosing to let go of him, uh, let go of that and cling to him to trust him to lead me and said, instead, because he'd said to me, he'd always be there. So I had to learn to just let go and say, all right, God, like the worst thing I'm afraid of might happen, but I trust that even if it does, you're going to be there. You're going to get me through. And so it hasn't magically gone away. You know, there've been times since then that I've had to um, continue to put that into practice, but I have, I put it into practice and as far as I remember, since then, I haven't actually been physically ill. I've just had the, the previous stages of dealing with the feelings of anxiety. Um, so often, my point is that in the valley, so often we get caught up in just the trying to make it through. Um, the effort every day of trying to make it through that we often forget that it, it is about letting go and trusting God that he will lead us through. Verse three and four says he leads me on paths of righteousness and even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll fear no evil for you're with me your rod and your staff they comfort me so his responsibility is the big picture 
and mine is the little picture to walk in faith. And actually, as I say, going through that, he has brought me to this table of peace. I can actually see in my life that I have more peace now as a result of walking through that moment with him because I know that I can trust him and it helped me more recently. Some of you will know I was made redundant at the start of October and they brought me into the room. It wasn't unusual. Um, my boss had asked to see me and a colleague and often he would sit down with both of us um, to talk about the work we were doing and, and that kind of thing. So I assumed it was that, but the minute I walked in, I sensed a bit of a, um, a tension in the air as it were. And as they began to speak, I, I realized some bad news was coming. So in that moment, before they even said what it was, I just silently kind of prayed, committing the situation to God. Um, reaffirming my trust in him. And when we finished the meeting, I said to him, well, all right, I, I may not be able to control what happens in the coming weeks and months. It might be difficult. It might be stressful. It might be worrying at times, but I choose to set my face to that now to the, again, the valley of the shadow of death to put one foot in front of the other and to trust you to lead me through. It's kind of like, facing this this pitch blackness and you can't see anything and you just say all right my job is the one foot in front of the other your job is to lead me through let's just do this together and I, th I think that's part of what it means to reign in life it doesn't mean that you're never rocked by anything like stability I don't feel means never being shaken by anything but it means knowing where to go when you are shaken And I think when people encounter that kind of peace in someone, that kind of strength, um, it surprises them. They see us consistently returning to strength in difficult situations. Again, it doesn't mean that we never wobble, but it means consistently we're strong. And it's, it's unusual, it's attractive, it sparks up conversations because uh, everyone needs the good shepherd. You know, we sung the song earlier, um, People, I've seen many searching for answers, only you provide. People look in all sorts of places for what Jesus wants to give them. And we've encountered him. We've felt his heart. And it can open up opportunities with people. So verse three also says that he leads us for his name's sake. So that means it literally his reputation. His reputation is on the line for how you and I walk through life, how we do life. Our lives should be just like Christ. They should be filled with peace, a sense of security of identity. We know who we are and we rest in that. We don't strive to be anything else. We don't strive to get our identity from anything else. There should be a sense of supernatural power in us and flowing from us to carry out God's mission. That's one of the things that the presence of the Holy Spirit brings is supernatural power. It's God's power and it's his mission, but it flows through us. Uh, it's provision of needs. It's a sense of meaning and significance. Our lives are a declaration. They declare to, to the unseen realms, to an angels and demons and Satan and his armies or whatever, uh, the world. And they proclaim to ourselves the God who looks after us, the good shepherd. But that means there's a vulnerability to his reputation almost. It's affected by the quality of our lives. That's why he chases after us with his goodness which is his best for us and his mercy, which is his loving kindness because he loves us and he wants us to be able to reign in life because it matters to him that we're able to see and recognize that he's a good father. 
it isn't the case that he's insecure. It's not that he needs us to say, oh, yes, you are a good father. It's okay, relax. But it's for our sake. He loves us to the point that we would recognize, oh, yeah, you are the good father. All right, well, I submit to you. I love you. Be my father. I think if you want to see what it looks like to reign in life, then we look no further than Jesus because he wasn't shaken by storms. He wasn't deterred from his purpose. He was secure in his identity. He followed God's lead through his life. And as we are doing life, the only things that can actually hamper uh, God's goodness and mercy being brought to fulfillment in our lives and fullness in our lives is straying into sin or being fooled by the lies of the enemy. If we steer clear from sin and choose to put first the kingdom of God, and if we choose to know scripture and to, to memorize it, learn it, to live in it and dwell in it, then we won't be fooled by the lies of the enemy either. But even in the good news is that even in straying from that, God's faithfulness means that he's still pursuing us. He's still uh, chasing us down, working in and behind the scenes, never wavering to get us back on track and bring us in line with his goodness and for his kindness out on us. So David's conclusion, uh, it comes from verse, uh, comes out of everything he's experienced the loving kindness of God, um, his firsthand experience of that. And he expresses it in verses one to five. And that filled him with strength and gave him assurance that he would not lack anything. He'd be brought to places of plenty, places of peace. In the valley of the shadow of death, uh, he wouldn't need to be afraid because the Lord would lead him through. It would still be a path of righteousness. His head would be anointed with the oil. Uh, that speaks of like identity and purpose. And his cup would overflow. And that he was living in the house of the Lord every day from then on to eternity. Uh, but it struck me, actually, as I was reading that and thinking about that, that if he if he lived with the awareness. That he'd live in the house of the Lord every day from then onwards, that was a time before the new covenant in Jesus. It was the old covenant, the um, incomplete covenant, as it were, the one that didn't allow us to step into the fullness of what God wanted because it wasn't the time for that. It was the time before the spirit had been poured out on anyone. Well, how much more is that true of you and me who live in the new covenant, the goodness of what Jesus has done, the resurrection power, the redeeming power uh, of the new covenant? We have actually become the house of the Lord. <clears throat> so I wonder if today maybe there are some people who are feeling like maybe some of this is all head knowledge. Maybe it, it isn't that new to you in terms of hearing the, the facts as it were um, but there needs to be this transition from head to heart <clears throat> uh, this knowing firsthand the the knowledge and the uh, the knowledge of God's goodness and his loving kindness that it chases you down every single day it makes it its mission to grab hold of you and to help you to steer in line with God's best for you because of his his kind soft gentle heart for you maybe today you need to encounter that heart afresh um <clears throat> what i'd love us to do to to finish actually now is um just to open our hearts to him we, ha we haven't got a lot of time so this may be something you'll have to pick up um in your own time with lord and that's great but now i wanted to just give two or three moments two or three minutes where we have our hearts open i'm just going to pray over us in a second but why don't we just take a moment let's just dial down 
if you're able to, if the, uh, the environment you're in allows for it, dial down, be still before the Lord for just a second. And then I'm going to pray over us. Just invite him in to minister to your heart and speak to you. Show you something afresh. And I'll finish by praying. Good father. Good shepherd. We just say now that we, we love you. Thank you that your <clears throat> heart for us just overflows with compassion, with love, with kindness. Thank you that you let nothing get in your way in pursuing us and bringing us into more and more <clears throat> deeper realms of your goodness, your presence. Holy Spirit, right now I just pray that you would come and make that knowledge real to us or if we've encountered it before, more real to us. Give us a fresh revelation of your kindness. I just break off now in Jesus' name, any lie that's over any life listening to this that says that you are unworthy of love, that God couldn't love you, that you are too far gone, that is a lie. Because the love of God chases you down it pursues you until you're found. It leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one that's missing. If you were the only person that needed saving, Jesus would still have come and died for you. God, as a community, <clears throat> as a church, let one of the hallmarks of, of our community be that we are rooted in an understanding of God's loving kindness for us as, as individuals and therefore for us as a whole. That we would walk in love, that we would then overflow with that love. Once you've been loved, you're able to love more fully. Those who live in love, live in God. Let that love overflow from us into the uh, environments we find ourselves in the people we meet because we know Lord that we are in a privileged position to know you but there are others out there that don't who don't have you to walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death and they desperately desperately need you need the good good father Lord let this series remain in our hearts that we know we're led by you, that you strengthen us to walk through the, the shadow of death. And Lord, right now, we just, we agree together to set our faces towards whatever is coming next. Whatever else this, this pandemic brings, whatever else this next year, this, the rest of this month, the next year brings, we set our faces now with bravery and courage, fixing our eyes on your rod and your staff saying, lead us on, lead us on.
and we bless you and we say we love you and we're grateful and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen.